0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Like World Podcast, and I'm your host, LT World, and on this channel we talk about the things people don't like to talk about. We talk about politics, we talk about religion, and we talk about ideologies. If that sounds like something you're into, join us as we take a look at the things that drive culture. I really despise religious belief. I despise people whose belief in religion is so firm it justifies killing people. Inside, 39 members of the Heaven's Gate cult had taken their own lives. Once in a while I get people that really claim they don't believe in evolution. And my response generally is, a oh, why not? We can't even begin to describe a living creature in anything resembling precise terms. Where do the laws of physics come from? It's, it's a question that doesn't work for me on multiple levels of analysis. Does God exist? There have always been atheists. Epicurus is a Greek philosopher, lived a long time ago. And basically what Epicurus is doing is he is saying... A loving, powerful God cannot exist if evil exists. However, its popularity and commonality, especially in the West, is more of a recent phenomenon in terms of like world history. I mean, oftentimes, people associate with the beginning of atheism, at least in our Western culture, with uh, Darwin. Um, they, a lot of people associate Darwin with the beginning of atheism and its flourishing, but arguably that was only the uh it was only the beginning of atheism really becoming popular and more culturally acceptable um, within the west i mean at that point it was becoming more academically acceptable and then eventually become more societally acceptable later down the road but really atheism would be a better place to say it started within the enlightenment years so during the enlightenment period which would have been at the end of the medieval period before kind of the beginning of what you would call the modern period. Um, You would have thinkers like David Hume, Dennis Diderot, less assuredly Pierre Bale, who was kind of vague on his belief, but he seemed to be a skeptic nonetheless. nonetheless. And so you had some notable names who were either agnostics, atheists, or skeptics in general. Um, Now, granted, most of these thinkers weren't always outspoken necessarily about their skepticism. I mean, they wrote books and stuff, but they would write in a way that they weren't attacking religion per se because the church still held a lot of power i mean religious people in general still held a lot of power so it would have been dangerous to full-on attack the church per se but they would um definitely get their point across one way or another and actually stephen Le drew who is a is from york university um i believe that's where he graduated although i'm not sure he might be also be a professor there as well um in canada that's, that's a university in canada Um, he argued that there's actually two types of atheism that sprouted from the enlightenment period Um, and he calls the two he calls the one scientific atheism and the other one humanistic atheism so scientific atheism as it kind of sounds would have been rooted in the sciences and kind of in the natural philosophy where you would have like these these breakthroughs in science these breakthroughs in philosophy or these breakthroughs in studies such as like you know finding out that the Sun's at the center of the solar system, discovering some of the laws of physics, stuff like that, like gravity. You would have this kind of scientific upbringing, which would have been one of the roots of atheism in the West. The second one being humanistic atheism, which he kind of correlates with the critical theory origins with Karl Marx and kind of the uh, communist uh, origins and stuff like that. So you kind of had these these two sprouts, uh, so to speak, these two branches of atheism and kind of giving it a start in the West. But as I said, the church held a lot of power still at this point during the Renaissance period, during the Enlightenment period, my bad. And so it wasn't necessarily common or socially acceptable, but it was growing and starting to sprout. And this should not come as much of a surprise considering the time period. So I'm just going to give you kind of a brief overview of what the time period was like, which kind of lended itself to allowing this. Um, this root of atheism to sprout in the West specifically. There are other parts of the world, obviously, that there is atheism. I mean, you have Buddhism, Buddhists who Buddha, who was a kind of a spiritual atheist. This is more of a strict, more naturalist atheist without a spiritual context to it. So what kind of laid ground for this Western form of atheism to sprout was twofold. You had the theological side and you would also have kind of the scientific side. So on the theological side, the church. The church in Europe at the time was becoming very dogmatic. So within the medieval time period, surprisingly enough, a lot of historians, especially the ones I looked into, were kind of like, they tended to be a little bit more open-minded. They tended to actually allow scientists to kind of do their studies. It was actually during the latter half of the medieval period and kind of into the beginning of the Enlightenment period where the church was very dogmatic and aggressive. So from 15th through 18th century, that was the time of like the European witch hunts. That was when there was these religious dogmatic, religious institutions, specifically the churches that would have been basically burning, killing, boiling people who were supposedly witches who tended to be women. And so there was this like fervent witch hunt for several centuries leading up to the enlightenment period and even through the enlightenment period. And there was also a lot of conflict between thinkers and the church. So like, notably, a lot of people know about Galileo in the 1600s, or even David Hume for his agnosticism was kind of rejected from society and wasn't given certain positions as professor and stuff like that. Uh, he was rejected position stuff because of his irreligiosity, and the church was leveraging itself against him, even though he still had a relatively comfortable life, all things considered. But you had this growing theological dogmatism rising in Europe which obviously drives people kind of to want to rebel and then you also had another theology that was changing this one kind of stuck out to me I thought it was kind of unique and so I'm going to try to read kind of a direct quote and then kind of break it down from there so you have Gavin Hyman and uh, th- this is a quote from a couple theologi- theolo- theologians and historians so you had Gavin, Hy- Gavin Hyman um, and this is the quote Gavin Hyman endorses Buckley's theory, suggesting that in early modernity, a modern concept of God arose that did away with transcendence as his essential property. This was a key element of pre-modern theology about God, instead offering a conception of God as a thing in the world with a definable substance and an identifiable location that could be referred to in much the same way as other things. When theologians decided that God was a thing of definite location and substance, it by definition became an object of scientific inquiry. And so there was this move within the Catholic Church, presumably, uh, primarily, of kind of like this changing, shifting theology, making God more a part of the physical world. And as the quote said, making it a scientific study, a scientific endeavor. And while there was this growing scientific revolution during the Enlightenment period, they started to discover that actually laws of physics can explain a lot of these things. A lot of things that religion was trying to explain was being explained away by science And since there was this idea that science would actually explain God um, according to this theology, and it wasn't seeming to happen that way. It actually seemed like science was just proving that there was a physical world, but they weren't ever discovering a God in the sciences. Empirically, then, based on that logic, it would seem that God is being falsified if he is something of this world um, in a substance format. So there was kind of this rebellion against this theology, which kind of played a part in how atheism started to sprout within the scientific roots so that shouldn't come as a shock then also as I said that another thing I played into this was the scientific revolution so people were advancing in Europe scientifically speaking now there was uh, a lot of you know research and other scientific discoveries before here but during the Enlightenment period there was definitely a lot of new discoveries that would revolutionize the world I mean, at this point, during the 17th century, most of Europe was on the heliocentric model. A lot of the laws of sciences were being understood, like gravity and so forth. And as this scientific empiricism arose and developed, which the scientific method, as we understand it, in the West, was developed within roughly the 17th century. I mean, deductive reasoning was developed back in the times of the Greeks. But this kind of specific scientific method that we have and are taught today kind of started within the 17th century of Europe um, for the West. So, the scientific empiricism was starting to answer questions, as I said, that religion used to answer. So, like, there was a lot of either, if you would look at, like, let's just say, outside of monotheistic Christianity, that the Catholic Church and stuff, if you would look at, like, religions like Roman Empire gods and Greek gods and stuff, a lot of these gods would try to explain phenomenons like storms, or they would try to explain away wind, and they would be gods of nature. And similarly, sometimes the church would use God as a means to answer things of the world like, oh, we can't explain this because it's an act of God or it's a miracle or something like that. And as they were going doing these scientific studies, they were discovering more and more about how the world worked and they were ex- able to explain things that religion used to have the answer. And I started to raise the question, is God even necessary? If we are answering questions that the church and religion tried to answer for years through science, is God even necessary? And this started to rise this atheistic and naturalistic um, atheism that we have in the West. So therefore, with all these things coming together with science and this changing theology, dogmatic religion, scientific discoveries, answering questions that religion used to answer, it doesn't surprise us, it shouldn't be surprising at least, that um, atheism started to really sprout and grow during this time period. And if not atheism, at least a general skepticism, there was a lot of deists during this time, meaning someone who believes in a creator god, but not a personal god, uh, per se, so they would believe that there was a creator out there, but they wouldn't necessarily believe in Jesus or something like that. Um, so there was a lot of skepticism, a lot of just deism, general deism, kind of like Benjamin Franklin, or strict straight up atheism, naturalism. Um, and now, couple this with the rising social tension that would come with Karl Marx, with critical theory, with the Frankfurt School, and where you started having these social changes and these social... Ideas And these new philosophies coming So a lot of these Enlightenment philosophers started coming into these new philosophies that would be called modern philosophy that started challenging the medieval way of understanding the world and this new understanding of social dynamics, this idea that society actually can develop without God as well. Society can develop through human nature, through economics, and through lust and power and all these power dynamics. And that's actually how society operates. And we operate more like animals than we do anything else. So therefore, we don't need to explain God either. Um, we don't need God to explain society or relationships. You had the social sciences for that. Which then all accumulates and leads us to into the 1800s, which would have been the 19th century, with Darwin. So leading up to Darwin, there was many thinkers before Darwin who were proposing theories very similar to evolution. So you had, um, for instance, let me see here. You had this guy named Jean-Baptiste Lamarck. I might be saying his name wrong. But he would propose what is called Lamarckism, which, to put it very, very simply and Watered Down, he proposed that parents or you know, parents of any sort of animalia species pass on physical traits to their offspring that were useful. It sounds very similar to what Darwin proposed, but it's a little bit less developed. Darwin put a lot more flesh to the bones, if you will. So when Darwin went to the Galapagos Islands and he discovered these different birds with different beaks and he, I mean, so I think specifically finches, he went to the Galapagos Islands, observed a bunch of finches with different beaks and different body structures that he saw would help them in their certain different environments to survive. He proposed this idea of evolution that um, people who, I mean, not people, creatures will develop certain physical qualities to help them better survive. And over a course of long course of time, millions and millions of years, they will slowly evolve in a way that is best for survival um, so he kind of took lamarckism and kind of expounded upon it, saying actually there is this process of survival of the fittest there's this process of over millions of years it's actually some species can entirely change and look completely different after a million year span millions of years span and he kind of added flesh to the bones and using different sort of studies using different sort of scientific theories to explain his logic i mean i actually have his book um uh what's it called now uh the history of species yeah that's what it is i knew i knew i had it somewhere but uh the history of species he kind of writes about his all his discoveries and kind of writes about his theory Um, now when darwin released this whole evolutionary theory Again, this really exploded the idea that we can explain things that religion used to explain. So we used to need religion to explain the beginning of life. So people for the longest time didn't understand how humans could come to life, how we would develop, how, how is there life in this world? How is there anything in this world? And people actually could say, well, Darwin, now evolution like this was something that scientists could stake their claim on and say actually we don't need god to explain why there's life today the reason why there's life today is evolution and it kind of stuck their claim in that and that's kind of the development of this new scientific confidence i guess you could put it and following darwin there was a lot of scientific growth a lot of scientific studies you had the, i mean you had even industrially you had the like, industrial evolution coming up and you even had this new postmodern philosophy starting to sprout up with Friedrich Nietzsche and critical theory with Karl Marx, as I said, where they were talking about this idea of truth and without God, like, since we're starting to explain away God with science, like, what is even truth anymore? We can develop our own truth, existentialism. And so there was like all these cumulating factors coming together during the mid to late 1800s, early 1900s. And it, it also helped, I, I should add this in there, I suppose, to go along with Darwin's theory, it also helped that they didn't think they needed to explain away the beginning of the universe at this point. Um, because uh, Atheists, I should say, or naturals, or people who were skeptics at the very least. They, a lot of them believed that the universe was eternal. So for instance, Albert Einstein, before he discovered general relativity, which then would lead into the discovery of the Big Bang Theory and the beginning of the universe, all that stuff. There was this idea that the universe was eternal that the universe would last forever. And Albert Einstein even tried to change his formula about general relativity because he knew it would mean some sort of um, beginning of the universe and it indicates some sort of beginning of the universe, so he tried to add some sort of factor in there that made no sense, and it was because of his bias. He didn't want there to be a beginning of the universe because that might mean something much greater than um, just atheism. But, nonetheless, there was this belief that the universe was eternal, Charles Darwin could explain the beginning of life through evolution, and throughout all these other scientific studies, there was this Sort of confidence in science, and so this sort of scientific atheism and naturalism grew, mixed with the growth of postmodernism, frederick Nietzsche, Karl Marx, critical theory, Frankfurt School, and this rising uh, social uh, revolution within the America specifically and in Europe, with this idea of freedom and this idea of you know ending slavery, feminism, all these different things coming together started to develop this sense of we don't need God to explain the world. We don't need God to explain the world scientifically. We don't need God to explain the world socially. We don't need God to explain anything. And so leading then into the mid 1900s, around 1960s era, you had this sort of growth scientifically. You had this, you had academia now at this point shifting to a secular society. So you had uh, prayer being kicked out of schools. You've been having, academia in general was shifting towards a more secular regiment, a more secular education. God was starting to be uprooted from the schools. This teaching of religion is starting to be uprooted from the schools. And then in the 60s, especially, you see the beginning of this real social revolution. You have the sexual revolution. You have kind of this woman's right revolution. Uh, You have the civil rights. You have that sort of going on. You have the drug use going on. And you just have this rising stigmatism of monotheistic traditional religion coming in America and, and Europe. There's sort of this general tendency as well. And since, you know, Chris, traditional Christianity or traditional monotheism, but Christianity for the Americas in general was against drug use, against sexual promiscuity, against abortion, which would, was a rising issue with Roe versus Wade in the early 70s, against abortion, and was in general just opposed to this new stigmatism, obviously, of this, this, these new social norms that were coming. And so being young, people want to rebel against their parents. And there was this sort of rebellion. And since a lot of people were going to start to go to school more, there was this secular education being taught, Charles Darwin, all these things. And now you see this sort of growing phenomenon of naturalism and atheism in the West. Um, And again, it also didn't help that the church could be blamed for other things, other past ills in society. So for instance, Southern Baptists, Um, there was a lot of churches in the South that were blamed for racism and racism was growing less popular and so forth and so on. So you had the scientific revolution that was like, we can explain things that religion had to explain. And therefore does, is God even necessary? You had the social side of things where there was this idea that social dynamics could be explained without religion, culture, society, government, politics. And then you also had the rising social phenomena. social norms were changing sexuality. Um, promiscuity abortion um, these other social norms drug use were changing that were opposed to traditional religion traditional Christianity specifically and then you had this changed education system this academia system that was saying Charles Darwin has a point Albert Einstein has a point all these different great thinkers have a point and besides the Constitution says freedom of religion we can't teach religion anyway So there was this doing away with religion in schools. So all this comes together to form kind of the bring us to the 21st century. The source society we live in today, very secular, um, one of the largest populations atheism wise. So like throughout all world history, there was like no population nearly as big in, in terms of its secular atheistic population. And even today, we have one of the biggest in Europe and in America, we have some of the most atheists in the world. There are some pockets of asia that have a large um, population of atheists like china for instance and um, even some areas in like india stuff but one some of the atheism there is different than ours in the west it's a very specific kind of naturalistic there is no god there is no spirituality it's just nature itself when you die everything's black there is kind of a strict naturalist atheism in the west that's very kind of specific to the west then in some of the parts of Asia, it's they don't believe in God, but they believe in some form, something like Buddhism or something like that, where there's kind of this spiritual realm, but it doesn't require there to be a creator God, per se. It's a different kind of atheism. So we have the, we're living in this very unique society because of these culminating factors. Um, and this leads us into kind of like the early 2000s, there was the new atheist push. A lot of these books like God is Not Great or The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. And it was kind of this real dogmatic push aggressively against religion, attacking it. Um, and universities, if you look at pooling data from either Gallup pools or um, Pew Research, um, a lot of these statistic pooling areas that are are well known for being rigorous or at least known for trying to be unbiased or whatever. A lot of them show that universities in general are producing more atheists, more secular people, and more liberal voters who um, traditionally, voter-wise, traditional religious people, specifically Christians, tend to vote right-leaning, traditionally. Um, at least right the right side has more religious people than the left does. So universities tend to be producing more secular, more liberal, more um, atheistic thinking people and this is should be this shouldn't be shocking because of the, all the history i just kind of explained all the things leading up to this moment and so that's kind of the history of our secular and um our sort of our, is a sort of history of our secular and atheistic tendencies within the west this is the the history of atheism in the west now before i cut into my tagline and my closing jumps in I do want to say if you've been enjoying the season so far, you've been enjoying what you hear, definitely please leave a comment and review um, and show your appreciation by dropping a few five stars down there or whatever if you enjoy what you hear uh, because it helps kind of with the ratings and SEO and of this podcast um, but yeah if you're definitely enjoying the season so far, drop a nice comment, drop a good review and I definitely appreciate that but anyway friends I hopefully you learned something today. And now, friends, since you learned something, (laughs) go out there and like the world. If you would like to learn more about how to like the world, subscribe to whatever podcast platform you're listening to and follow along because we would love to have you. And we continue to cover topics like this down the road. And you can grow in your understanding and in your knowledge of these different important topics that we deal with every day. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. On these outlets, I ask questions. I run polls, People can DM me. And I'm going to do some more special content on there anyway. So definitely follow along there and join the Like the World community. And you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel if you like video content. And I post some extra videos on there occasionally. So follow along, join the community, and we're going to have a good time learning more about the important topics of life.